<laughs> the wise guys, that's more like it. Man, praise the Lord. Thank you, gentlemen. And uh, Oh, holy night. What a wonderful night it was. And changed the course of history uh, for all mankind, for you and for me. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, if you have your Bibles, if you will turn with me to John chapter 8, verse 12. John chapter 8. It's been a verse that I have just thought about over the last month and as we look to Christmas and really dwell on and think about the Christmas season and uh, what it's all about. I got to visit with some family yesterday and my oldest brother asked me, uh, he said, are you just going to you know, play a message that you preached some previous Christmas uh, in the past since it's kind of the same thing, isn't it? I said, well, yeah, the, the message is kind of the same. You preach on the birth of Christ. And uh, I said, it can be uh, a little difficult, I guess, trying to come at a different angle or, you know, make it fresh and new. Uh, but I'm not trying to make anything fresh or new. Uh, just an encouraging reminder of what happened that old holy night uh, when Christ was born. And so we invite you, uh, and all together we uh, are coming together to see what God has done Uh, as Christ came into this world. And so, John chapter 8, verse 12. So if you have found your place in the Scriptures, you've opened your apps and devices, if you turn, uh, stand with me as we read the Scriptures together, see what the Lord has done, uh, the result of Christ coming, the result of that, O holy night. Chapter 8, verse 12, the Bible says, Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. We see just in this one verse the reason for the season of why we celebrate Christmas, the result of this baby being born in a manger, this Emmanuel, God with us, this season of Noel, the season of Advent for coming, and Jesus reminding those that he's talking to and reminding you and I. He spoke, says Jesus spoke to them again, meaning let me remind you once more who I am and, and who, what I've come to do. And he says, I am the light of the world. That's good news. That is great news for you. It's great news For me, he says, I'm the light of the world, but he didn't stop there. It's not enough for you to just to know that. What does this mean for us? What does it mean that Jesus is the light of the world? He follows anyone who follows me that leaves out no one, anyone. The scriptures are clear when it comes to salvation. Anyone who follows. This is uh, playing off the word whosoever When you look at the Bible, whosoever comes shall be saved. Uh, So it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what background you come from, what nationality you may be. None of that matters. Anyone, Jesus says, anyone who follows me, emphasis on me, who follows Christ, not follows the church, follows a pastor, follows your uh, grandmother, grandfather who was a godly person. No, none of that is good enough. He says, anyone that follows me, we, he makes it clear, I'm uh, the light of the world. Um, anyone who follows me 
what will happen? We'll never walk in darkness again. You'll never walk in darkness. Meaning, you're walking in darkness. When you follow Christ, you no longer walk in darkness. Praise God for that. Never walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life. You get life. You get uh, light in a dark world. You get uh, direction and great counsel. And we praise the Lord. This is, this is Jesus telling you and me, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. This is who I am. And if you will follow me, you'll never walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We're thankful that you have come, that oh holy night that we celebrate. And God, I pray that every day we will fall on our knees and sing praises and worship you and to honor you with deeds and words, and we will honor you with our life and our choices, things that we do. God, I pray that all of us in this room has followed you, that we are following you, but Lord, I have no doubt that there are people in this room, maybe many, who have not followed you. They're not following you. They've not submitted their life to you. They've not sought forgiveness for their sins. They've not committed themselves to you. And Lord, I pray that they will do that this morning. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Lord, may we reach out to you and may we gain the light of life. And God, may we never walk in darkness again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. Jesus refers to himself in this one verse that he is the light of the world. This is often a reference to himself, to being light or the light of the world. It's often... Uh, a reference given to not only Christ, but Christ followers, that they too are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill uh, that uh, in, in the midst of darkness, people can see your life because you are light. You're a city on a hill. Uh, we often read his words of how he is the light of the world, but we also read that he was prophesied as the light of the world as well. It's not only this one statement where he says, I'm the light of the world. It was prophesied hundreds of years before this that he was going to be the light of the world. This is what he has come to do. In our passage this morning in John chapter 8, verse 12, uh, there's a reason why he is reminding them of who he is and not only who Jesus is, but what Jesus can do, what he, the power that he has and what he is able to do because he is the light of the world. In John chapter 8, uh, we're introduced to uh, what most people would call an adulterous woman. Uh, this is a woman who was caught in an adulterous act, an adulterous lifestyle. She is living in sin. And the Pharisees and the scribes, they are the so-called leaders in the church. They bring this woman to the temple, knowing Jesus would be there. They bring her, they drag this woman into the temple in front of all the people and begin to condemn her for her sins. Now, they've overlooked their own sins. We often tend to overlook our sins. It's much easier to judge someone else for theirs. And that's what they're doing. They bring this woman before this crowd and in the temple where all the people are there. Jesus is there and they bring her and, and they are condemning her for her sin. They are making an attempt to test Jesus and to see how he would respond to her sin. 
They are trying to see how he would respond, and, and they remind Jesus of something because, uh, you know, they felt like they had the power to do so. Well, Jesus, let me remind you that according to the law of Moses, uh, she must be stoned to death. She was caught in sin, and she must be stoned to death. Jesus, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about her sin? What are you going to do about her being caught in this adulterous act? How will you respond to this dilemma? She was caught. She was guilty. This woman was guilty of sin. She knew it. They knew it. Jesus knew it. Everybody there knew it. Therefore, she was living in darkness. She was living and walking in darkness. She was living uh, uh, in brokenness. She was, as the Bible says, dead in her trespasses and sins. And the wages of her sin was death, as the Bible says. That the penalty of sin is death. So they bring her before all the people. And what this woman needed was not condemnation. She didn't need to be standing in the middle of the temple surrounded by so many people being called out. She didn't need people pointing fingers at her. She didn't need other sinners pointing out her sin. What she needed was to be forgiven. What she needed was light in her dark world. What she needed was life because she was walking in the deadness of her trespasses and sins. What she needed was grace. She needed a savior. She needed love and compassion. She needed much mercy. And that's exactly who Jesus was for her. Merry Christmas. Jesus, this woman is a caught in sin, caught in an adulterous lifestyle. According to the law of Moses, she ought to be stoned to death. They believed it so much so, they had stones in their hands. They had rocks in their hands, given the green light. They were going to stone her to death for her sins, neglecting their own sins, but calling out hers. Jesus, what are you going to do about it? And you can just picture them just kind of tossing that rock up, just tossing it up and catching it. What are you going to do about it? She's broken. She's guilty of sin. She's living in darkness. She's guilty. You know the old saying, she's guilty of sin. She was. She knew it. Everybody there knew it. Jesus, what are you going to do? So Jesus speaks up in John chapter 8, verse 12. Before this, she, he calls them out. Uh, the one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. Calls them out. I got, a, I got an answer for this dilemma. As they're tossing that rock up, ready to get the green light, Jesus looks at them and says, all right, whichever one of you that has no sin in your life, you get to throw the first stone. And at that moment, they begin to drop their stones. All of a sudden, condemnation come on their own heart. And they begin to walk away. Jesus looks at this woman and says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She says, no one, Lord. He says, well, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. And then he says, I'm the light of the world. You know what Jesus is saying? This is what I do. This is what I've come to do. 
I do not come to bring condemnation on the world, but to save the world. Jesus does not come to condemn, but to save. We're the ones doing the condemning. It's not our responsibility nor our job to do so. Jesus became everything she needed in that moment. I'm the light of the world. If you'll follow me, you'll never walk in darkness, but we'll have the light of life. And that's exactly what happened in this woman's life. She followed the Lord Jesus in this moment. And he said, now look, go from now on and don't sin anymore. Don't do it again. As a follower of me, don't do it anymore. It's exactly what Jesus was for her, forgiveness, a savior, love and compassion, grace and mercy. And that's exactly what we celebrate at Christmas time. We celebrate God coming in the form of a baby, a a person. Why? To condemn the world? No. To save the world. To tell the world, I am the light of the world. If you will follow me, you'll never walk in darkness again. Matter of fact, not only will you never walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life. You know what that means? Not only were you saved and you brought to life, but through you I'll bring other people to life. So he tells this adulterous woman, you got the light of the world in you now. Go sin no more and be light of the world to people. Tell your story. Bring other people to the light of the world. And that's exactly what he was for her. And I will tell you this, it's exactly what he will be for you. She stands condemned. She stands there about to be stoned to death. She stands there wondering in her head, who will save me? Who will love me? Who will show me compassion? Who will become my friend? Who is the one who will love me in spite of the wrong I committed? And Jesus says, I am. I will be. They will condemn you. The world will condemn you. But Jesus comes with these words and say, I am the light of the world. I don't condemn you. But I come so that you may have life and have life more abundantly. Same goes for you. Jesus then goes on to refer himself as the I am. He says it in verse 12, I am the light of the world. Says it in verse 24, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Says it in verse 27, when you lift up the son of man, then you will know that I am he. Says it in verse 58, Jesus said to them, truly I tell you before Abraham was, I am I am, it's a, it's a unique name for Jesus. It's a unique uh, name that was given to our Lord Jesus. It's the same phrase God uses of himself in Exodus uh, chapter 3, verse 14. You, you know the moment at the burning bush. It says in verse 13, the Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, what is his name? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. What a unique name for God. I am. Now we have three children. That name never came up in the discussion of naming our children. Well, what are you going to name your children? Well, we thought about I am. Well, we, we thought about it. No, that don't ever come up. That's never on a birth certificate. I've never visited anybody in the hospital, just had a baby, said, oh, what's his name? I am. No, that's never come up. You know why? Because only God can have the name I am. And the reason for that is God has the name I am because he is everything you need. He is everything. Within God is everything you need in life. I am. 
Who is my salvation? God says, I am. Who is the one that will give me grace and love and compassion? God says, I am. Nobody else can say that. Nobody else can make those claims. And so we learn Jesus, the name I am, it's in his name, it's his uh, character. But he also has four other names that I want to point out. It's hard to describe and define this I am, but Isaiah does a really good job in Isaiah chapter 9 of describing who this I am really is. In Isaiah chapter 9, you have this promise, this uh, prophecy of Jesus coming. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, he says, For a child will be born for us. This is the humanity of God. For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. This is the deity of God. He's fully man, fully God. And the government will be on his shoulders. Listen to the names of the I am. And he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. This is the best way I can define who the I am is. And the Bible's done a great job of defining who the I am really is. It's hard to define that. But Isaiah's done a great job hundreds of years before he was even born of describing who is this I am that is going to come to your rescue? Who is the I am that will save you for your sins? Who is the I am that will provide all of your needs? Who is the I am that will keep you saved in this harsh world? Who is the I am that will usher you into the presence of God? And Isaiah says he's a wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal Father, and the Prince of Peace. Just as Jesus was talking to Pharisees and the scribes that were standing around this adulterous woman telling them who he is and what he can do, in her moment of darkness and her moment of brokenness, Isaiah is telling the nation of Israel who God is and who God will be for them. Not long from now, the Assyrians will come in and, and literally demolish the Israelite nation. They will be in total ruin, total destruction. And Isaiah is speaking to the Israelite nation. They would end up, the Assyrians were going to come in and end up wiping out the nation of Israel. Portions of their land would be completely ruined and left in total poverty and ruin rather than blessing. And Isaiah is coming to the nation of Israel, reminding them who this I am is. And then a moment of your brokenness, nation of Israel, in the moment of your uh, dark time where the Assyrians are going to come in and wipe you out, let me tell you who God is. And the nation of Israel is finding herself in the same position as the adulterous woman in John chapter 8. Total ruin, total embarrassment, total condemnation, and in need of a miracle. It was at this point Isaiah reminded the nation of Israel of who their God was and who their God is. Much like the adulterous woman, they thought, who will save us? Who will love us? Who will be our protection? Who will be our Savior? Who will be our guide and leader? Who will be our counsel? Who will be our wisdom? Who will be our peace? And Isaiah says, the I am will. And he comes in the form of a wonderful counselor. He comes as a mighty God, as an eternal father, and as a prince of peace. And I can tell you this. You say, why are those the names of God? Why, why, why does uh, the Bible describe Jesus in these ways, in these four ways as wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, prince of peace? And this is why, because you stand in need of all four of them. 
You need all four of those names of God in your life. We all come from different backgrounds, different home lives, different uh, places and countries and states and personalities. We come from uh, uh, different areas of walks of life. We come from broken homes and homes that have uh, displayed the glory of God in. We come from all kind of places, all kind of different jobs, needs, wants, desires, likes and dislikes, hobbies. We come from all kind of areas. But if you dwindle it down, we all stand in need of four things. Four things, and Jesus tells us he is every one of those things. And he can fulfill all of those things in our life. The first one, Isaiah says that he is a wonderful counselor. Listen to me. You need a wonderful counselor in your life. Man, woman, boy, girl, you need a wonderful counselor in your life. And not just any counselor, but you need the wonderful counselor. This word wonderful can be translated as exceptional or distinguished. Isaiah says Christ is the exceptional counselor. He is the distinguished counselor, one with uh, the authoritative one that you and I should listen to. There are many counselors today that give great advice. They give great counsel. But there are things that our counselors today cannot give us that only Christ can give us. I'm married to a counselor. And there are things that she can give uh, that uh, I cannot give. But even in all of her studies, even in all of her training, there are still things that she cannot give. And only Christ can give. This wonderful counselor, this exceptional counselor, this distinguished counselor gives life. His words give life. His words give peace and comfort and perfect direction. No counselor on this earth can give that. They can give great advice, and they can help you in times of trouble. And counselors are great. We need counselors. And we should never be above going to counseling. But they, they can only take us and give us so much. And we must turn to the wonderful, exceptional, distinguished counselor, the one who has the authority to give life. No counselor can give life to you. Only Jesus can. No counselor on this earth can give peace, but Jesus can. No counselor on this earth can give perfect direction, but Jesus can. And no counselor on this earth can give the greatest comfort, but Jesus can. So I beg of you to listen to him. Go to him for counsel. Read his words and take his counsel to heart. Follow him. Follow the mighty, this wonderful, exceptional, distinguished counselor. But not only is he there, but he's also mighty God. You need a mighty God in your life. You need Christ to be mighty. As the second part of the Trinity, he can do things no one else on earth can do. He can do things for you that no one else can do. No spouse, no job, no amount of money, no amount of power out there can do what God can do for you. Amen? What are, what are those things to you when you're in a life's crisis, when you're in a moment of anxiety, when you're in a moment of confusion, when you're in a moment of a crossroads and you don't know where to turn, what path to take? How are those things going to help you? What you need is a wonderful counselor. What you need is a mighty God who will step into your life and, and, and bring mightiness of God to your life. And that's exactly what Christ did in Christmas. 
Christ coming in the form of man, he brought the mightiness of God down from the throne of heaven and put it on display for you and for me. He can heal the sick, make the blind see, let the lame walk, the deaf hear, the brokenhearted pieced back together, and the suffering mended. Nobody can do that like God can. You can pay all the money in the world to people, to counselors and people and, and, and things. You, could, you can read books. You can do all. You can go online, read everything you can, but nobody can do for you like a mighty God can do for you. Nobody. And you look at this adulterous woman. Her life is at a crossroads. She's living in darkness, the brokenness of her sin. And it's easy for you and I to go, well, I've never done anything as bad as that. The Bible says all sin is condemning. All sin leads you straight to hell. We come into this world a sinner. She was no worse than the Pharisees and the scribes pointing her out. You know what she got that day? She got a wonderful counselor. She got a mighty God that turned away those condemnations and brought her into life, and God will do the same for you. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. This mightiness of God can do for you what no person, place, or thing can do for you. He said, why do you mention person, place, or thing? Because people often turn to people to help them, to navigate them, to do something amazing in their life. And what people often find out is nobody can do that for you. So you'll jump from relationship to relationship to relationship thinking, oh, they're going to fulfill this great need that I have. And they don't because they're not God. They're not a wonderful counselor, mighty God, the I am. Only God can do that. So stop trying to find your, uh, you know, your joy and your comfort in people. They can't give it to you. Is it great to have people in your life that love you? Absolutely. Is it great to have a a spouse and a family and friends, a faith family that can come alongside of you and comfort you and encourage you and help guide you through accountability? Absolutely, but no one can do for you what God can do for you. I can give you counsel, but it's flawed counsel. But God's counsel is perfect. It's right. And you know what it is? It's steady. You can count on it. You can count on it. People often turn to people, person, place, or thing. People often turn to places. Maybe if I change jobs, maybe if I jump to another church, maybe, maybe that'll help me out. If I go to another church, another preacher, another this, another that. Maybe if I move cities or move houses or move families or maybe if I do all that, go to another place, start all over. That's what I need in my life. And people often do that. And what you find out is, You find yourself right back in brokenness and darkness. That's what the adulterous woman was doing. She thought that a person or people, things around her places would fulfill this longing in her heart. And what she found out was with every move, she found herself back in brokenness. She found herself back in darkness until the day she met a mighty God. People turn to things, substances, 401Ks, vacations, power, and prestige. They turn to things to do for them what they think they want or need. I can tell you this, nothing in this world can do for you what God can do for you. He was a mighty God. Not only that, the Bible says he's an eternal father. You need an eternal father in your life. 
Everything in, listen to me. Hear me out when I say this. Everything, and I emphasize everything, everything in your life will come and go. Everything. People, possessions, power, prestige, all those things, they will come and go. The only thing that will not come and go is a relationship with the Lord Jesus. It'll be there. It's everlasting to everlasting. People come and go in our lives, don't they? Uh, I did student ministry for a long time. I, man, I was in student ministry forever. I still love it. Uh, but uh, I, I have had, I don't know how many conversations uh, with uh, teenagers. Uh, and there's some down here and they're spread out. Man, people are going to come and go in your life. A lot of times they're going to be in the form of a what? Y'all know it? Boyfriend or girlfriend. Oh, and your life is ruined. And then there'll be another knucklehead come along and steal you away, you know, and that's what I call them. I was one. It's just the world's over. Oh, no, the world as I know it is over. People come and go in our life. But what you need is an everlasting father that'll never go anywhere, that you can trust in him. When you call on him, you know he'll be there. Uh, I remember a prayer I heard last night. Uh, we were about to eat dinner, and uh, Amanda's dad was praying, and he said this, Lord, we're thankful. I'm paraphrasing. I can't remember exactly. Uh, but, Lord, we're thankful that you hear us every time we call. That's what you need in your life. It's nice when we go to people and they hear us and listen. But people come and go. Things come and go. They rot away, rust away. But there is only one thing that is eternal, and that is the word of the Lord. It'll last forever. It'll stand forever, and it'll stand the test of time. Put your hope and faith and trust in it. This adulterous woman and the Israelites, the nation of Israel, everything that they knew, everything that they built, the Assyrians were going to come and wipe it all away. And so if you put your hope in things and people, they're going to go away one day. But what Isaiah is reminding them and what Jesus came to the rescue for this adulterous woman was, you can put your faith, hope, and trust in people and things. They're going to be wiped away one day. But if you'll put your faith and hope in me, I'll, it'll, you'll never walk in darkness again. It's steady. It's sure. It's a solid foundation, a solid rock. Therefore, those who stand with him uh, will stand forever. There is no losing of his own. Once you have committed your life to him, he has you, and there is no letting go. Praise be to God. He wins, therefore you win. He wins, therefore we win. He won over sin. He won over death, and so therefore you win over sin. You win over darkness because of him. Lastly, Isaiah says he is the prince of peace. He is the one who is capable of bringing complete peace in your life. In his millennial reign, Jesus' millennial reign, there will be total peace. He is the peace bringer. He is a peace sustainer for you and in your life. Listen, the gospel of Christ was written in such a way that brings peace. Do you have peace in your life? Do you have peace in your family? Do you have peace in your heart of the direction you're going right now in your life? Do you have peace in the counsel you're getting? Do you have peace in your own strength of trying to do life your own way? Do you have peace in that? Do you have peace in uh, the thought that 
uh, you're, you're able to keep yourself from getting back into addictions or bad relationships or bad situations? And the answer, will that be no? The only peace you and I can have comes from the Lord. It comes from Christ. He is the one. He is the peace bringer. And God does not desire that we live without peace in our lives and heart. Christ came to earth. Christ came to bring peace as Christ was in heaven before he came as a babe. He grabbed peace and brought it down with him. In his whole life ministry, he dispersed peace. And in the moment of this adulterous woman, the greatest thing he gave her was peace. That though God's wrath is upon me, I now have peace that Jesus has forgiven me. And God's wrath was put on Christ on my behalf. This was the plan of God to send Christ as the Prince of Peace so that you and I could experience that peace. But it only happens when we repent, believe in Christ as the only way to salvation. As Christ told the adulterous woman, follow me. You must follow me. How do we do that? Repent of your sin and believe upon Christ as your only way of salvation. He's the only way to heaven. I believe in Christ. I believe what he did for me on the cross. I believe that he is the only way to salvation. I believe that he's the only way to get to heaven, to get to the Father. And you repent of your sins. You turn from your sins. He is the Prince of Peace, the door to access the presence of God and the entrance to heaven. But too many people today living without peace. Too many people today are living without the peace of God in their life. And that's a shame. It's not, it's not meant to be that way for you. It's not meant to be that way in your own life. So we go back to John chapter 8, verse 12. You have this adulterous woman found herself in darkness, found herself in brokenness, much like many of us this morning. You come in here today and you've got brokenness in your life. There's darkness there. And... Maybe, just maybe, you're sitting there thinking, well, what can I do about it? What can I do about it? I'm glad you asked, because the Bible gives us what should you do about it. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Does that mean if we follow the Lord, life will be all candy and roses all the time? No. It doesn't. But what it does mean is that no matter what happens in my life, I've got clear direction. I'm walking according to the plan of God for my life. I've got a mighty God that can do anything for me. He can move mountains. I've got an eternal Father knowing that no matter what sin that happens in my life, I'll never go to hell. I'm going to heaven. And I've got peace in my heart that I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven, and I know my destination. I know my home, and this is not it. What about you? God does not intend for us to live like this adulterous woman in darkness and brokenness. That's why Jesus tells us in John chapter 8, verse 12, he's the light of the world. You don't have to. That's what he says, I'm the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness. You know what he means by that? You don't have to. You don't have to walk in darkness. You don't have to live in your brokenness. Too many people try to, every way to get out of their brokenness. But what do they do? They keep finding themselves back to brokenness and, and darkness. You know what you need? You need a wonderful counselor. Not just any counselor. 
You need a wonderful counselor to lead you out of darkness, out of your brokenness. You've tried to do it by making different choices. You've tried to do it by trying different paths in your life, but you continuously find yourself in brokenness. You've tried different paths. Let me, let me try this path and see if it'll lead me out of brokenness and darkness. And it didn't work. Well, let me try this path and see if this path will lead me out of brokenness and darkness. And it didn't work. Let me try this path and see if this path will lead me out of darkness and brokenness. And it didn't work. And you continuously find yourself in brokenness. What you need is the wonderful counselor. And if you will follow him and trust in Christ He will lead you out of brokenness and darkness. He's the only one that can. He's the only one that has the power to do so. Why? Because he's mighty God. You need a mighty God in your life. You've tried everything in your power to get out of brokenness. You've tried everything in your strength to get out of brokenness, but you constantly find yourself stuck there. Nothing ever seems to go right for you, you say. You find yourself with no joy, You find yourself with no peace. You need a God who is strong and mighty and one with great power, and Christ is it. The Lord Jesus is it. There is nothing you have faced in your life that is worse than death. Is it? No. Christ faced death, and he beat death. And if he can beat death, he can beat anything in your life. He's a mighty God. But too many people are trying to live their life, live this life, under their own strength, under their own power. And they try, oh, if I could just one step at a time, and oh, if I just, you know, they believe these lies, and oh, if I just have a good attitude, it'll work out. Oh, if I just smile more, or read this book, or that book, and if I just go to this, and go to church, and if I just do all this, if I just get my family back in church, that'll fix everything. No, it won't. No, it won't. You're doing everything in your power to fix your life, and there's only one that could do it, and that is a mighty God. He's strong and mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do for you. He's a mighty God. He has all might, all power, all authority to do for you what you cannot do for yourself and what you are trying to do for yourself. People often say, I I hope I've done enough good to get to heaven. The reality is you can never do enough good to get to heaven. There is a mighty God that provided a way, and it is through Christ. Stop trying. You need a mighty God in your life. Listen, you've got situations in your life that you need. You've tried to handle. You've tried to fix. You've tried to talk yourself through them. You've tried everything you can to fix these situations, but they, they still exist in your life. What you need is to quit relying on your own understanding and trust in the Lord. Stop relying on your own understanding and trust in the mightiness of God. I can tell you this, he has done it. He's done it in my life. He's done it in lives all in this room because I know your testimony. Don't you dare sit there and think he can't do it for you. He's a mighty God. He can do anything. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. It's not the lights and the trees and the presents under a tree, but it's a mighty God that has come down to say, I can do it for you. Just follow me. Just follow me. You need a mighty God. You need an eternal father who can not only lead you out of brokenness, 
but can keep you out of brokenness. Amen. Thank you, God, for that. You know how he's able to do that? Because he's a mighty God. He's a way maker for you. He leads you in right paths. He is the the mighty God, wonderful counselor. The path that he sets you on, there is no returning. He leads you out of brokenness and he has the power to keep you out of brokenness. I know, you've had moments in your life where you thought things were looking up. But then life happened again and you're right back to where you were. You had moments where you thought, this is it. I have finally got out of that. I finally reached out of brokenness. Man, I'm so, yes, I'm so glad. Yes, I'm so thankful. And then the next day or a month or a year later, you find yourself right back in the same garbage, the same brokenness and darkness you were in. You know why? Because you're trusting on your own understanding. You're trusting in your own path, what you think is best for you. Your path will always lead to destruction. You understand me? It'll always lead to destruction, but the wonderful counselor will never lead you to destruction. He'll always lead you to paths of righteousness. The Bible says he has good works laid before you. If you just, all you got to do is walk in them. You need an eternal father that not only will get you out of brokenness, but he'll keep you out of brokenness. And lastly, you need a prince of peace. You need a prince of peace to usher you into perfect peace no matter the circumstances. You see, peace in my life has nothing to do with the circumstances outside of my life. Peace that I have in my heart has nothing to do with external circumstances, but it has everything to do with the internal celebrations that I have in my heart. Peace does not, is not determined, much like joy, peace is not determined by external things. Peace is not determined by what may happen today. Peace is only determined by what's already happened. And that old holy night when Christ was born. You need peace in your life. God does not design this life so that you would live it without peace. Only Jesus can do that. When you repent and believe upon him, he ushers you from your brokenness and back to a right relationship with you. See, the problem in this world is we're separated from God. Sin has caused us to be separated. Just like the adulterous woman, just like the scribes and the Pharisees and all the Israelites. Sin separated them from God. And when you are separated from God, you are living a life of darkness and brokenness. Because all we like sheep have gone astray each their own way. You have chosen to go astray. And you're living a life of brokenness and darkness because you are separated from the mighty God, the wonderful counselor, the everlasting father and the prince of peace. You're separated from all of that. Who doesn't want that? Like, who wouldn't want eternal Father? Who wouldn't want mighty God working on your behalf? Who wouldn't want a wonderful counselor that'll never lead you astray? Who wouldn't want peace in their life? Who doesn't want that? But all too often, people are living in it, and they're separated from God. But in that, oh, holy night, we see what God has done. He brought Christ so that if we would do what he says, follow him by repenting of our sin and and believing upon Christ, we will be reunited back to the Father. And in that reuniting back to the Father, that family reunion, we are reunited back to peace. We are reunited back to the eternal Father and a mighty God and a wonderful counselor that is always there. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. Listen, Jesus has come. 
to bring you back to the Father. Won't you come? It's the most famous words of Billy Graham. Won't you come? Won't you come? Won't you come back to him? You were separated from God from your sin. You, just like the adulterous woman, you deserve to be stoned to death in your trespasses and sin because the wages of sin is death. But praise be to God that while you were enemies of of God, Christ came to redeem you back to him. But that only happens if you repent and believe upon him. The greatest present you could ever receive is one that will last for eternity. Not ones that you may receive this week or on Wednesday. Now, at the moment, you may think they're the greatest. But the greatest present that has ever been offered is one that will last for eternity. And that is the present of salvation. And God offers it to you. Perfect peace. Mighty God. Eternal Father. Wonderful Counselor. It's what Christ did for this woman. It's what Christ did for the Israelite nation. And it's what Christ can do for you today. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you for the scriptures. Lord, help us turn to you. God, I pray for people in this room. Lord, there's people in this room right now. I have described their life. I've described where they are. They're in brokenness. They're living in darkness. They don't know where to turn. They've done everything they know to fix it. And Lord, I'm so thankful, Lord, that they've come here this morning to hear that they don't have to try anymore. That if they'll just turn to you, repent and believe, and do what Jesus told that adulterous woman, just follow me. If they'll just turn to you, Lord, the wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal Father, the Prince of Peace will enter into their life. Listen, right where you're sitting, head bowed, eyes closed, just having a moment with the Lord. Is that you? Is that you? Do you have peace in your life? Do you have peace where your eternity lies? Do you have peace that I know I'll go to heaven? Do you have peace that I know without a shadow of a doubt, I know where my destination is, and that's heaven? Or are you sitting here this morning thinking in your heart, Pastor Mike, I really don't know. I hope, but I cannot say with complete certainty that I know. Listen, God does not intend for you to live like that. The Bible says, I write these things so that you may know you have eternal life. Do you know? If not, I'll be down front. Pastor John, Pastor Matt will be down front. The Bible just very clearly and simply says, repent and believe. Follow Christ. You could do it right where you are. You can say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm like the adulterous woman. I, I stand here condemned. But Lord, I want to repent of my sins. Lord, I want to believe, and I believe who you are, that you died for my sins, and you took my place. Lord, I deserve death, but you died for me. And God, I want to put my trust in you. I want to follow you the rest of my life. Lord, save me now. You could do it right where you are, and you may have. We want to celebrate with you. If so, when we have our invitation in just a second, we'd love for you to come down and celebrate Maybe you are facing a situation in your life 
and you just need some counsel. You need some godly counsel. We invite you to come and pray and say, Lord, I need counsel. You may be here this morning and say, I know I'm saved. I know that. But maybe you've walked away. Maybe you've turned aside and you've started going down a, a wrong path in your life, path of disobedience or uh, just a path of destruction. I believe God's calling you back home. Come back to the counselor. Come back to mighty God, your everlasting Father, your Prince of Peace. Maybe you need to come and pray. Maybe there's a situation that's going on in your life. You don't know what to do. You don't know what decision to make, and you, need, you just need to come and pray. Or maybe you got a mountain in front of you, and you need a mighty God to take care of it. He can do it. I invite you to come and pray. Our invitation is going to be a little different. So right where you're sitting, head bowed and eyes closed, 